0: But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. pray. God, we come before you right now um, humbled. Uh, Silent. Thank you so much for meeting us here. Uh, Thank you for that time of praise and and singing your, your joy, your love. God, I pray that this morning we can feel your love in a new way and that we can love you in a new way and that we will see how hard it really can be to love God. But despite how hard it is, it is always worth it and so much more. God, I pray we'll be rejuvenated. As we kick off this new year this morning, we love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Um, so one of the things that this holiday gave me a chance to do, got to go home. I think a lot of us, absolutely a lot of us in here, got to go home for the holidays, uh, see old friends, reconnect with old uh, groups. I know I got to reconnect with people from Italy, got to reconnect with people from college, got to reconnect with people from high school. Um, but it's been a really good thing for me. I'm, I'm from Northeast Ohio, so I have a lot of these friendships. And I think over the holidays, we all love this idea of seeing people we haven't seen for months and just picking up like we never even left. Um, Those relationships are are important. They matter a lot. They're really good. And I'm very blessed to have a lot of those relationships just in my everyday life, Um, not even just with the holidays. And um, and one of these relationships I have that meet on a pretty consistent basis every other week turns into monthly. Maybe life happens sometimes, but um, it has been something now um, to some people known as my Thursdays with Cousin Amos. Um, I think it could be a book title. I'm working on it right now. Uh, but I love meeting, meeting with my cousin. So he definitely thinks a lot differently than I do in a lot of ways. Um, and that's why I love it. He can encourage me, he can pray for me, um, and, and he can challenge me in ways that, that I don't think, um, that definitely some people don't. And that's why we have these relationships to bring us closer to God. Uh, but the last time I was talking, um, with cousin Amos, we, uh, we got together. We were, I kind of rabbit trail off on this conversation about this, uh, this company buffer. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard about this company buffer. They have a, um, they have a blog, which is pretty cool. So we talked about the blog a little bit, but the company, they uh, want to create a happier work culture. And so they do this just by being very transparent, very open about everything they do, put a lot of um, ownership on all the workers, let them do kind of what they want more or less. And so one of their latest blog posts that we ended up talking about was this, um, this five wise process and so it's a process to help understand the root of any problem in business and so it's it's really a pretty simple process um toyota production company actually started this in the 1950s um the architect of the production system um tai chi ono i think is the name uh, he started this and so they encouraged everybody to dig deep into any problem that came So if something came up, you need to find out what happened. Just make observations. No preconceived ideas, no preconceived notions. Let's just see what happened, and let's ask why five different times. So, for example, why did the robot stop? The circuit has overloaded, causing the fuse to blow. Why is the circuit overloaded? There was insufficient lubrication on the bearings, so they locked up. Why was there insufficient lubrication on the bearings? The oil pump on the robot was not circulating sufficient oil was it not circulating sufficient oil it was clogged with metal shavings why was it clogged with metal shavings because there's no filter on the pump very simple it's very elementary easy concept i hear 5 year olds do this all the time why 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 they always ask why it 's really annoying, um, but it can actually be a pretty effective effective thing and so buffer utilizes this, they meet together with everybody, um, they have a leader that asks these five whys and, and they dig deep into into some of these questions to get to the main idea um, so this morning, I actually want to utilize this five wise process as we approach um, what most of your Bibles probably have titled here as the Great Commandment. Um, so we, hear, we see, we hear Jesus sharing here the, the great commandment after the Pharisees, they gather together after Jesus silenced the Sadducees um, in his response about the resurrection, which they didn't believe in. They didn't know what to do. Uh, we talked about that last month. And so we see in verse 35, this lawyer steps up and asks a really good lawyer question. And he says, teacher, what is the great commandment of the law? And um, just so we can get a better understanding, a better context of, I think, this character, this lawyer, and the situation going on here, uh, we get a fuller picture in Mark of this, Mark chapter 12. So um, this lawyer did like Jesus' answers beforehand. And so he's asking this question, yes, to test Jesus, but it's not out of, a, uh, out of a bad heart. It's out of a good heart. He really wants to know, Jesus, you're a teacher. I want to see if you're going to answer this right. And, and I think that's perfectly fair to ask Jesus these questions. See if Jesus knows his stuff. Ask him all the time, anytime. I think you'll like his answer. He'll always give you one. Um, and the lawyer here receives an answer that he likes as well. Mark 12, verses 32 to 34. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher, upon the same answer that um, we read from Matthew here. You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. So I like this from the lawyer. I like that we see him asking with an honest heart. And I think he's looking for this particular answer that Jesus gave. He says, yeah, you're right, Jesus. That is a good answer. Um, so this first part of the answer is all we're going to look at today. Next week, we'll look at the second part um, about loving your neighbor as well. So the great commandment, the answer that Jesus gives here back in Matthew 22, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. So this is the answer that Jesus gives. This is the great commandment, the good commandment wise answer it's a hard thing to do though to love God it's really hard it seems so easy um, but it's not easy at all and so if there's something that I want to think about on Wednesday midway through the week oh yeah I forgot I was at church and somebody talked I don't know if there's one thing I want you to remember about that it's that loving God is not an easy thing and so this is going to lead us into our five whys process this morning. So here are the, the, the five questions. That, you know, I'll just give you the first one here to start with. Um, first question we're going to ask is, why don't we love God? Let's get to the root, the heart issue here. Why don't we love God? And I think the first answer we're going to give here um, is that we don't know God's love for us. So why don't we love God? And when I'm saying we, I do mean we as Gateway Downtown. I mean me personally, and I mean we as mankind in general. Why don't we love God? The first answer to give, I think, is that we don't know God's love for us. We don't know it. We don't see it. We don't feel it. We don't understand it. Very often we have no idea. We don't hear it. And so we don't know God's unconditional love for us. And I can say that this is what we're missing pretty confidently because it's a pretty easy, basic level answer that if I really knew and understood how much God loved me, there would be no other option for me but to love him. When I think about my own Conversion, when I think about any time that I've had of coming back to Christ on fire for God, it was that I finally really understood this unconditional love from God. And the answer, obviously, was to follow him, to give him my life. And that didn't just happen in conversion. That has happened multiple times in my life. And I pray that that can always happen with us. And so when we know that we are loved unconditionally, We can give all of our affection, we can give our love back in moments of trial and fear and trouble and doubt that we have. John 3.16. Talked about this before with my pastor from back home. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So my pastor did not become a Christian until he was in his 20s. This was the first Bible verse he ever heard. And the pastor said, you know what, Larry? Change world to Larry. Change that to your name. And I've always remembered that. For God so loved Philip that he gave his only begotten son. Put your name there. For God so loved blank. Put your name in there. That's how much God loved you. He sent Jesus to die for you. That's how much he loves us. And um, I mentioned I had a chance to catch up with people where I'm originally from. Um, football is non-existent. Basketball is absolutely king where I'm from. So I love basketball. I play it all the time. Um, don't let the hair and beard fool you. I actually have a little bit of game. Still need to play some people, but, uh, but love playing basketball. And it's something that a lot of my friends did as well. So some friends from college actually drove down to my hometown. We played some pickup basketball. And now that we're old men, it hurts a lot. To play basketball for hours. So after we finished playing basketball, we went back to my one friend's house. There were three of us guys that aren't married, went back to our married friend's house. He has two kids, one's three, one's four. So uh, the single scrubs, we all just crashed on his living room, um, and then you know, he and his wife were sleeping in their bed, which is attached to the living room. and then on the other side is the kids' room, um, you know, daughter son three and four um over there so falling asleep and i was obviously dead tired playing for hours it's not good for this body and um and in the middle of the night i hear this noise um and it and it scared me because it was one of those i sleep really well so when i woke up i had no idea what i was i heard this this like screaming and it freaked me out and then i finally got my bearings so i realized what was going on um i realized it was his daughter hope. She had walked over and she was just standing like right next to my head, just crying and freaked me out. But I realized that I'm realizing what's happening. And she's saying something. She just says, I want my daddy. I want my daddy. I want my daddy. Cry, cry, sob, sob, tear, tear. I want my daddy. And so I, I felt like just throwing her into the room because I just wanted to go back to bed. Um, but then at the same time, I did, I did realize how, how beautiful this was. And how this is something that I did when I was a kid. You know, when you know that you are loved unconditionally by your daddy, when you're scared when something happens, you just say, I just want my daddy. That's what I want. That's what I want to do. So that's what she did. She went into their room. Um, I fall asleep, fell asleep pretty quickly. I'm guessing she gave him a hug, felt love, got a hug, and, and went to sleep and felt safe, felt comforted. And that happens because, again, she knows the love of her father. And I don't think I need to make these connections for us, but that's where I want us to be in 2015. Just, I want my daddy. Something's hard, you're struggling with something, I want my daddy. Know that you are loved unconditionally. John 15, verses 9 to 11. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love, Jesus says. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So Jesus loves us in the exact same way that the Father has loved the Son. That is perfect love from the Trinity. We've talked about that before. And this allows our joy then to be full, full joy in Cleveland for you now. It can happen. It's a great way to start this new year. Know that you are loved by God. By knowing this, I think it allows us in turn to love God. And so this is bringing us to our second question. First question. Why don't we love God? Because we don't know His love for us. Why don't we know God's love for us? Because we don't know His word. And so to talk more about this, I want us to look at Psalm uh, chapter 107, verses 1 to 9 we're going to read, and then verse 34. um, All the stuff in the middle is pretty good too, but we don't have so much time. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. These are the wanderers we're talking about. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Verse 34, whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. So I heard uh, Tim Keller talk through a couple of these ideas concerning the importance of knowing the scripture, knowing the word, knowing the Bible. And how important that is for us to know that God loves us. And so I'm not going to promise at all that I'm going to share the same thing, but I remember some of these concepts, so I'm going to try to break it down for us here. Uh, The first few verses from this psalm again, uh, 1 to 3, we feel God's love, the appropriate response, say so. We just say that we feel that love, do something about it, say so. And so to do something about his love for us is important. Verses four to nine, then I I just mentioned it. There's a lot of what Brian talked about last week, right? We can parallel this to the Exodus. People coming out, Jesus saving, uh, God saving the wanderers here. He satisfies the longing soul satisfies them similar to full joy i think right um so i do encourage you again to read the rest of this psalm sometime uh, the wanderers are the first group and then there's three other groups of people and um I, this might be this could be a psalm that's in an english textbook in high school it's a very good piece of literature uh but then at the end verse 43 uh gets to what uh what i want to look at whoever is wise let him attend to these things let him consider The steadfast love of the Lord. So what is it that we're attending here? We are attending the story of God in his steadfast love, saving people. Attend the story, attend these scriptures, attend the Bible that tells us these things. And so while you're attending this story, consider the steadfast love of the Lord. And here's why the scriptures need to be attended in order for us to understand the love of God. Because the Bible is the only source for understanding that God loves us and that we can have a personal relationship with Him. Now, that's a bold statement, so I'm going to say it again here: the Bible, the Scripture, the Word, is the only source for understanding that God loves us and that we can have a personal love relationship with Him. And here's why I can say this: the reason, uh, one of the reasons I can say this, is because uh, it's the source is the Bible is because it's not coming from nature. It's not coming from history, ancient history, and it's not coming from other major religions. So, in regards to nature, yes, God can reveal himself through his creation. I've talked about this before, Romans 1.20. But even that, again, is being said with the Bible as the source. An objective viewer of nature is not necessarily going to realize, I'm going to say they're not going to realize, that God is a loving God. They're not going to realize that God, you can have a personal relationship with him just by looking at nature. A part of nature in the cycle of life is death and a lot of violence. Um, The author of Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, Annie Diller, uh, wrote a Pulitzer Prize winner in 1975 um, for a a nonfiction essay. She just went out to observe nature objectively, write what she saw. And so she's pretty famous. Maybe one of the most famous stories is the story of a frog. She's a frog by Tinker Creek, and a water bug lands on this frog. And the water bug puts something in, injects something into this frog that just turns the entire inside of the frog to goo and mush and destroys it from the skull on down. And then it sucks it all up and destroyed this frog, leaving just a carcass behind. It was disgusting. She could not believe what she was seeing. Now, she juxtaposed all of this that she saw with this idea that there must be a benevolent God. But again, she knew this benevolent God because of the Bible, not just from observing nature. Without having any preconceived notion of the Bible and God's love, nature is not going to reveal that God can have a personal love relationship with us, that we can have that with God. And we don't know by looking at ancient cultures, ancient history. Any ancient culture dealing with a higher power... Dealing with uh, whatever they, whether it's God's or whatever it is that they're observing. There's one thing that is pretty common with every ancient culture. And that is that they were terrified of a higher being. It was scary. We need a priest. We need a mediator or something to talk to this God. We need to sacrifice something to talk to this God. Because it's scary. We need to give something up. Don't even, don't be around it. If you're a normal person, that's going to kill you. Stay away. That's scary. By no means do we have any recollection, any history of something outside of God's chosen Israelites, Sit thinking in ancient history, oh yeah, we need better crops, so I'm going to look to God, hey God, hey, I know you love me, we have a personal love relationship, can you help me out here? That didn't happen. That doesn't happen in ancient history. So it's not history, it's not nature. Um, we also don't see this in other major world religions. Um, and I'm not saying this to, by any means to hate on other religions. I think, um, Again, we're looking at the source of knowing what God's love is here. And I know in Cleveland, a whole lot of people just want to say that we're all on the mountain together. All religions are the exact same. We're all going to the top, and we're all on different sides. It doesn't really matter. Um, Well, the the biggest thing with that is that they have now created their own religion. Anybody that doesn't believe that all religions are one is no longer in this religion. So they've just created the same thing they wanted to destroy in the first place. So that's not going to work out very well. Um, And then in the end, all they're doing is just wanting to not have to listen to any one religion. They have this pseudo-freedom from not having to believe anything. Uh, But if you look at some of these major world religions and their view of loving God, uh, Eastern religions, Buddhism, Taoism, Hinduism, uh, they, they do not believe in one personal God that you can engage with in a love relationship. And actually, to reach enlightenment, you need to remove yourself from this idea that you have love. You need to separate yourself in order to get to enlightenment. You need to separate yourself from everything. It's very opposite of a personal love relationship with God. It's not there. And if you look at um, Islam, where everybody I've ever talked to, i worked with a whole lot of Muslims um, in Rome. Everybody I've ever talked to, Allah is all-powerful. Yeah, he's almighty, absolutely. He's not your daddy. He is not your father. Allah is not your friend. You are under his wrath. You follow the five pillars so he won't smite you, period. Don't say that he's loving. Don't say that you can know him personally. That's not going to happen. Very adamant about it. I am not trying to put them into my worldview. They do not believe that God has, that God is in a capacity for us to have a personal love relationship with Him. And so the source of this is not nature, it's not other major religions, it's not ancient history. Um, this source of knowing that we can have a relationship with Jesus, with God, with God through Jesus, is only through the Bible. So the Bible gives us this framework of what it is. And it tells us the story over and over again throughout the whole thing. God created everything. It was good. Sin entered the world, fallen, broken. So then God redeems us by sending Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son. we already read that. So there's creation, there is fall, there is redemption. This is everywhere in the Bible. And all three of these steps are a necessary framework. We need this framework for us to understand God and his love. If we know that God created us, but we don't have an understanding of the fall and the sin that entered the world, then God isn't very loving because he created just this, and we're stuck. And if we understand only creation in the fall and we don't look at redemption, then God's not very loving either because God didn't bother entering into our pain, sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, and he's just leaving us hanging. There's no redemption. We need all three of these parts for us to truly understand the Bible, and for us to truly understand that, yes, God is here. We can know, love God personally. So the the idea of a loving God comes from the Bible. That's the source. So in Cleveland today, there are plenty of people I know that will tell you that God is love, and they have no idea that comes from the Bible. Yes, I know. But that idea came initially from the Word. It came from Scripture at some point in time. And anybody that is now saying that outside of the context of creation, fall, redemption is going to be left upset. It's not going to end logically. So whoever is wise, again, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. So what happens when you are considering the scripture, when you're considering the Bible, when you're considering the word, I think you'll understand better God's love for you. Once you understand God's love for you, again, you'll be one step closer to this problem that we have of not loving God. So the first question, why don't we love God? We don't know God's love for us. Second question, why don't we know God's love for us? It's because we don't know his word. And why don't we know his word? We don't spend enough time with him. So we just talked about the importance of knowing the word of God, because that leads us to knowing his steadfast love. And we will never know the steadfast love if we don't spend time with God. So by no means before, I was I trying to prove God's existence. I wasn't trying to prove the validity of the Bible. All we're pointing out here again is that if you're going to believe in a loving God, the context, the framework that you need has to come from the Bible. So you need to know his word. And in order for you to know his word, you need to spend time with him. And so that is our mission as a church, to love God. So we as a church are doing things to allow you to spend time with God. And so my prayer is that you as a member, that you as an attendee, as a guest, whatever you are, that you will be in a position through Gateway Downtown to spend time with God. We want you to encounter the living God, the God of love. Come to church on Sunday. Hang out with people after church on Sunday. Come to a growth group. Hear about God. Get in a discipleship relationship with somebody here. Come to the church in some evening. Just let us know to unlock it. Come by yourself and ponder God. Talk to your spouse. Talk to your boyfriend or girlfriend about growth group, about the sermon, about singing Sunday morning. Spend time with God. A couple verses to encourage us in this Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We need to spend this time hearing. It's where faith is going to come from. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We're on this path, we're walking, we want to move, shed some light on it. Back to the start, why don't we love God? We don't know God's love for us. Why don't we know God's love for us? We don't know his word. Why don't we know his word? We don't spend enough time with him. Why don't we spend enough time with him? We give our heart, soul, and minds to other things. I know I need to spend more time with God. But it's so hard. To find time. Why don't we have the time? Why don't we have time for this? It's because we're split. We give our heart, we give our soul, we give our minds to other things. Now, Some people see the latter part of verse 37 here. Heart, soul, and mind just being one individual thing collectively. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Meaning everything. Everything that you are, that one thing, let it love God. All completely individually. Which is fine. I like that too. But I also like to look at these separately. And so looking at these separately, looking at the Greek word in itself and where else that Greek word is used in the Bible, let's look at some other verses. The first one, love the Lord with all your heart. And so this word heart, the exact same context from the Greek is used again in Matthew 6.21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's also Matthew 5.8. The attitudes. blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So are you doing that? Are you putting your treasure in Christ? If you are, then that is where your heart will be. Are you pure in heart? Well, then you'll see God. And your pure heart is not going to come from you trying harder. Just so you know, this is the gospel. Spoiler alert. Your pure heart comes strictly from the blood of Jesus Christ. Washes us white as snow. Nothing you're going to do. It's all what Christ did for you. You will see God when you give your life to him, when you give your heart to him. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. The Greek word here is psyche. So psyche is used very synonymously with life in the New Testament. Matthew 10.39, it's used twice here, but instead of soul, it actually uses the word life. But it's the same word, psyche. So whoever finds his life, soul, psyche, will lose it. Whoever loses his psyche, for my sake, will find it. So why aren't we spending enough time with God? Because we're finding our life or our soul, our psyche, in Netflix. We're finding our life and our soul in relationships. We're finding our life and our soul in our work. We're finding our soul, our life, our psyche on West 25th Street. We're finding our soul on East 4th. Finding our soul at Progressive. Finding our soul at OH. Thank you. But still, not necessarily the best thing. Sorry about that. Set you up for failure there. Um, but this is what we do. We split ourselves. We're giving our life. We're giving our soul, giving our psyche up to other things. We need to not do that. If you find your life and your soul and those things, then you're going to lose it. So let's lose our life, let's lose our soul for Jesus so that we might find our soul, find our life in him. And so finally, love the Lord your God with all of your mind. This word mind, used again, same, same, same Greek word, First 1 Peter 1.13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be, that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Preparing minds for action. Your mind will set you into action. So your mind needs to be set on spending time with Jesus. So that you might understand his love for you a little bit more. So we're bringing it all home here. The fifth why. Just refreshing. Why don't we love God? We don't know God's love for us. Why don't we know God's love for us? We don't know his word. Why don't we know his word? We don't spend enough time with him. Why don't we spend enough time with him? We give our heart soul and minds to other things and so why do we give our heart soul and minds to other things it's because we live in cleveland seriously though, it is because we live in this broken sinful world i'm just contextualizing it bring it home it's because we're in cleveland cleveland is a broken sinful world and i don't want to say this to discourage us i say this because we need to realize the reality of this battle and this fight that we're in The reality is that living in Cleveland is not going to make your Christian walk easy. Cleveland is not going to be pushing you to love God deeper every single day. Cleveland is not going to surround you with believers that are challenging challenging you in your faith every day. Cleveland is going to give you opportunity upon opportunity to give your heart and your soul and your mind to things other than spending time with God. Who will give you an opportunity to do things other than knowing his word, other than understanding God's love for you, and things other than loving God? But Cleveland's going to do more than that, too. Cleveland is also going to give you a whole bunch of culture creators and shapers that are seeking more in life than what they currently have, and they'll be able to see you loving God in the midst of all that craziness. That's what we need to be. As this church? And you're going to be able to do that if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Get on board with us here at Gateway Downtown as we love God. Get involved with what we're doing. Love God more. We all want to do this. We all need to do this. We need to be a light in this city. We don't just need to know about loving God living in community, serving the city, and you start acting on it a little bit more. Just like Jesus is telling us to do here. So this morning, kind of a sign for any of us that have already declared this. If you have converted to Christianity, you have made Jesus your king. If you have done this, this morning we have communion set up. I think we have enough blood for everybody. Jeremy was pouring a little more at the end. Um, And so, so we do ask you that if you are in this personal love relationship with God, because what Jesus did for you, that you will partake of communion, that you will see these symbols as a sign for what Jesus did for you, his blood shed for you, his body given for you. And I I ask that if you have not done that, if you have not given your life to Christ, do not feel pressure. Do not partake. It's not a, a symbol that you need to partake of. But if you have done this, and I'm not saying you don't don't have to be perfect. But I'm saying, if you are living this life of sanctification, then this is for you. A time right now that you can declare again, I want you, Daddy. I want you. And thank him for the body that he gave. Thank you for the blood that he shed for you. So we'll sing a song here. Um, you can just release yourselves anytime. Just go go ahead, grab a cup, grab a, a piece of bread, um, and, and you can just sit down at your seat. And, and I encourage you just to, to pray. We're not going to do anything corporately together. Um, just sit down and pray. Think about this blood that was shed for you. Think about this body that was given for you. Thank God for what he has done for you. Let's pray before getting into communion. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for scripture. Thank you for our ability to learn about you through that. And thank you, God, for being a personal, loving God that we can feel, that we can know, that we can understand moment by moment, every moment of every day, if we just listen. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for talking to us. God, I pray that you will light us on fire. To want you, Daddy. That we can come to you in times of need, in times of struggle, in times of pain, in times of hardship, in times of distraction. In times of everything that we might be going through in Cleveland. That we can love you and that God, by us loving you, people might see that somehow through our brokenness. God, I pray right now that you will be with each one of us as we partake of communion. That we will grow closer to you through this. Thank you so much for everything that you do for us. We love you, Jesus. Amen.